Welcome into the season two premiere of Stone Cold Strohs. I'm Brandon Strange. I'm joined by Charlie Palillo and Josh Jordan. Follow them on X at Palillo and at Josh Jordan 975 and read their work on sportsmap.com. Gents, here we are. And uh, for those hoping that the Astros would take a step back, Bakota of Baseball Perspectives is projecting 95 wins for the Astros in 2024, nine better than the Rangers, 10 more wins than the Mariners. Charlie, let's, let's start there. Are you surprised to see such an aggressive number from a platform that typically skews pretty conservative? Yeah, uh, just a little. Uh, nine and 10 game margin over the Rangers and Mariners maybe seems a little bit ambitious, ambitious, uh, but 95 wins is certainly within range for this team. Is it more toward the upper range? And I don't think this has the makings of getting back to being a 105 win ball club, but there are specific players that you can point to last season and say, well, they figured to be better than that. Uh, really no one on the ball club had what you would constitute as a career season that, oh, he should drop off significantly from what he produced last year. And uh, Justin Verlander seems to be shaking off the, the arm stuff. If he's generally healthy and you're getting a full season out of him, even if 25, 26 starts, that's a lot more than nine. And what you'd be replacing starts from the Belax and uh, Blancos of the world. We know where the back end of the bullpen stands right now. So 95 is a, is a very viable upside number for them. Sounds about right to me. I certainly hope they get there. That means we're going to have a fun season to watch. I, I thought it was interesting. They, they looked at the Dodgers and the Braves. They have them at 100 and 101 wins. So that's pretty sporty there. But when we know how good they were the last year, they, they did some good things this offseason. So, you know, with the Astros around 95, hopefully that's about right. The Rangers doesn't look like they're bringing back Jordan Montgomery. I'm sure that factored into some of this. And they have some some injured guys that they'll have to deal with during the season as well to their pitching staff. So, I like it. I think I think it's about right. I think the Astros are going to be really good this year. And the Astros, they are made men. They are proven now for the better part of a decade without fail, right, accepting the short COVID season. I mean, there will come a time, there will come a year where, oh, geez, the Astros turned out to not be very good. But this certainly not, does not project to be that season. And then you look within the American League, we, we address the West. Obviously, the Central has no one that you'd plausibly think could make a run at 95 wins. Okay, the East was clearly the best division in baseball last year. The Baltimore Orioles chock full of so much young talent. Well, one of their young stud pitchers, Kyle Bradish, he has an ulnar collateral issue, which they're thinking is just a sprain, but that not unroutinely can turn into Tommy John surgery. Yes, they added Corbin Burns from the Brewers. They look loaded, won 101 games last year, but you don't always just go up, 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 up until you win the World Series. And one thing about the Orioles last season, they were incredible in one-run games, which is almost random year to year. No team, no team is great in one-run games every year. It's a myth that, all oh, the clutch teams win most of their close games in baseball. It's not how it works. So the Orioles are probably going to come down from there 101. And within the American League East, the Yankees are improved. Yes, the Blue Jays, eh. The Red Sox, eh. Uh, the Rays don't seem to have improved their roster. Someone in the American League is going to win 95 games, so why not the Astros? One thing that could factor into this and could factor into that win projection is Alex Bregman in a contract year. And I think all eyes are going to be on him this season. Uh, Dana Brown has said that they intend to make offers to both Tucker and Bregman in due time. Uh, Bregman confirmed that there hasn't been an offer made yet. 
Are you guys surprised that there wasn't at least something floated to Bregman's camp in the preseason, maybe like a feeler offer? Or do you think that maybe the Astros are playing it close to the vest to prevent fodder from getting to the media and creating more unnecessary chatter during the season? Yeah, don't know about the motivation. We can turn the clock back to when Carlos Correa was offered five years, $160 million. That's $32 million per season. The Astros, would they put a similar offer on the table for Bregman, who no doubt, given the marketplace of the last couple of offseasons, less so this offseason, at least until we get the playout, maybe on uh, Cody Bellinger and the, the pitchers, you know, the eight and 10 year contracts. I don't know about the Astros motivation. It's not an insulting offer by any means if they offered Bregman five years, $125 million, the exact frame, time frame and numbers of the Altuve extension. But Team Bregman, led by Scott Boris, Altuve's agent also, but as Boris talked about when Altuve got the deal done, well, Bregman's in a more conventional free agency approaching place, age 30, and looking for that longer, longer contract. And uh, the Astros, off their history, they know they're not going to eight, 10 years. Maybe they feel it's just not worth the effort of, of putting in a five-year offer right now. I think you should throw something out there. And if they laugh at it and say, we're oceans apart, so be it. But what is the harm in saying, well, here's a deal that we would do now, even if it turns out to be four years and $125 million short of what Bregman's looking for? Yeah, and it is kind of curious that they haven't at least just kind of given him some type of offer. I wonder if Bregman kind of feels like he can in- improve the offer he might get by having a, a huge season if he gets back to where we see the power get up into you know 30 home runs again, something like that. Maybe that could make the offer go up a little bit. It is interesting. He's in great shape. He's been talking about it at camp. He has gained 23 pounds for this season. He also talked about he lost a little weight towards the end of last year and into the offseason, so it's not all newly acquired weight. But he's he looks like he's in great shape. He says he feels terrific. I mean, maybe that'll add to that power. You know, you add 23 pounds, and maybe he'll start lifting the ball a little more using those Crawford boxes. And the Astros could certainly use that. It'd also be nice to, to see Jeremy Pena do the same thing you know it's interesting you mean when i heard 23 pounds i was like whoa because alex bregman's not a hulking guy so you know if jordan alvarez decided he was going to bulk up 23 pounds well if you're adding it to 230 240 proportionally it's a lot less than packing that much on with bregman you hope he doesn't lose flexibility that hurts him defensively at third base you hope all that muscle doesn't make him more prone to muscle injuries he had the leg issues going back three years and Bregman we know I mean he's a very very confident player saying he fully expects to have the best season of his career well look you have to bet against that happening because the bar that he set in 2018-2019 was extremely high 2019 very arguably was the MVP of the American League finished second to Mike Trout which was no crime but it was a monster season Maybe if they bring back the juiced balls of 2019, Bregman can get back into that power range. He had 41 home runs in 2019. And for anyone scoffing, what do you mean the juiced balls? Yuli Gurriel hit 31 home runs in 2019. Uh, Bregman has not hit 30 in a season since. Um, His OPS in 2019 was 1,012. Four years since, he's a 261 hitter with an 804 OPS. So he is going to have to be vastly better than he's been over the last four years to get into that range. The good news is Alex Bregman's floor is very high. I mean, the last two seasons, he's been a very good player, but not a super-duper star. He turns 32 days after opening day 
if he's really good, well, that's really good for the 2024 Astros chances. And maybe it doesn't mean 10 years, 300 million for Alex Bregman, but he's going to get a nice big bag, be it here from somewhere else. Yeah. He said that he expects to have the best season that he's ever had. And part of that uh, confidence, he says, comes from working uh, over the off season with uh, Exos in Phoenix. And I guess part of that regimen is adding muscle while maintaining, as you said, that flexibility and speed. And that's supposed to be Axos's claim to fame. That's what they're known for because they help draft prospects, prepare for the combine, add muscle while also maintaining that speed. I think it's interesting while we pontificate on the uh, future of Bregman, Blue Jays fans and media and front office are wondering if they'll ever see a healthy George Springer again. And I just say that because the Astros aren't afraid to let guys walk. The Jays are talking about Springer resting more, possibly getting more time at DH so that he can get back to what they're calling career norms. And that's after moving him from center to right. So as much as we all miss George in Houston, the Jays probably miss him more because he's taken up valuable resources uh, that they could use otherwise. And you talked about Bregman betting on himself. We saw Carlos Correa also bet on himself, and he did eventually get that bag, but it was after two other teams passed, notably after those medicals. And keeping it on the infield, we also heard that Yiner Diaz will be calling his own games. I mean, they're really putting the responsibility in this young man's hands. They're going to throw him on the deep end. Charlie, what do you think about Yiner Diaz in his first full rookie season campaign, them giving him the keys to the pitching staff? All for it. Throw him in the water, let him swim. Uh, I also just personally think this isn't little league or high school or college. Every big league catcher should be calling the game, not getting every pitch from the dugout. I hate that. Uh, but Justin Verlander ultimately will be calling his own game. Uh, it'll be interesting to see the transition. Oh, no more Maldi to handhold. Will Justin Verlander fall apart mentally? Now, maybe there'll be a little bit of time to build up a rhythm, a syncopation, same wavelength with, with Yiner Diaz. Uh, but I expected that that to be a, a trivial issue for the Astros over the course of the season as, as we frame the infield uh, with Maldonado gone. But Yiner Diaz can have what many would consider a disappointing season offensively. And he's still going to be a quantum leap improvement over Martin Maldonado. And Maldonado's defensive metrics were lousy, right? The ERA wasn't better when he was the Astros catcher. He was lousy at throwing out would-be base dealers the other way. He led the league in pass balls while Yiner Diaz had none. So, you know, the Astros are going to improve from 90 wins to the 95 Pakota number or wherever they wind up. Uh, Yiner Diaz goes in. Uh, by default, he's going to be a net upgrade for the Astros of probably at least two or three wins. Yeah, I was always curious about that because even when Maldonado was here, you'd see him looking over into the dugout pretty much after almost every single pitch. So I was always just curious, like, is are they giving him some kind of intel or is he looking over there for some other reason? But I mean, either way, you know, we'll take a spot at his word. Yiner's going to call the game. And I mean, I think he'll be fine. He's He's been around at least for a little bit. He, he knows this staff and Hopefully Maldonado showed him some things last year and he'll fit in the role fine. And Charlie pointed out, you're going to get an improvement on defense and offense, no matter what. So yeah, let, let, let's get him going. And he also, uh, Spada said that they may look to 
get him in the DH spot from time to time with Yinert when they're trying to give him some rest and don't want him squatting every day, but they still want that big bat in the lineup. So I'll, it'll be curious to see how they kind of how they use that. So because they also said they want you know Jordan to play a lot of left field. So I'm, I'm curious how they're going to use the DH throughout the year. I'd like to see Jose Abreu get some time in the DH spot. We saw how much better he was when he was rested last season. And he just gave Altuve a ton of money for a long time. You you want to make sure that that you take care of him as well and give him plenty of off days. Prepare for microanalysis from fans and media of of Diaz and the catching position. Anytime a pitcher shakes off Diaz or any variance in ERA, you're going to see the fans and media create agendas basically off of the difference between this and Maldi. So just prepare for it. You heard it here first. You can't say we didn't warn you about it because that is coming. We'll probably participate in some of that. The job is catcher, not wet nurse. Yeah. With Maldonado catching, Framber Valdez deteriorated badly the second half of last season. Ditto Christian Javier. So if those guys struggle, it's not because they've gone from Einstein to Dodo Bird behind the plate. And, you know, Yiner Diaz has a chance to be a real star as an all-around catcher. Don't retard his development by unnecessary hand-holding and saying, you're not capable of this component of the job. If he needs help along the way, okay. But let the kid play. All yeah. right. Yeah. And I'll be interested to see if he kind of grows from last year or maybe he kind of has a, a bit of a down year, kind of like Jeremy Pena did his his second year. And, and quickly, just the last thing I did want to bring up is Jeremy Pena has changed his swing from what Espada said, he likes what he's seeing. And I saw a video just a little while ago, Chandler Rome put up of him doing live BP off of Ryan Presley. And it does look a little quieted down. And he had, he had some good contact on the one pitch that was in the video. And it, it was in the air. He got some lift on it. And that's what Espada said, that he likes what he's seeing is he's using all fields, but he's hitting with more power, you know, getting the ball up in the air. So I think that's huge for Jeremy this year. If he can get back to, you know, hitting 20 something home runs and doesn't fall off a cliff with his batting average and maybe if he could just walk a little bit more, that would be a huge boost for this club. I've said it from the beginning, I think 2024 could be very special. You could see a Alex Bregman return to form for a full season. You could see uh, Jeremy Peña return to form at shortstop and now that you've upgraded essentially at the catcher position, you could see a really big bounce back, not just from the offense, but defense as well. So those are the interesting things that we're seeing on the infield. Let's move to the outfield where some of the most important players for the Astros play. Joe Espada says that they want Jordan Alvarez to play a lot out in the outfield. Josh, you mentioned this in the pre-show. It's like they're, they're talking about they want to get better on defense, but Jordan seems to play better and more confidently with the bat in his hand when he plays in left. Now, we all know correlation, not causation. But after seeing Jordan's sliding double knee buckle, which as I think about it, it sounds like a wrestling move. It's not, but it should be. His sliding double knee buckle, I'm basically done seeing Jordan in the outfield just from a safety standpoint. But it does raise a question is if Jordan's playing so much in left, then where does Chaz McCormick play? What's the ratio of him in the outfield? They've, they've said that they want Chaz playing every day, but that does beg a lot of questions when you're adding all that context in. Uh, Charlie, let's let's start with you. How much do we see Jordan playing in left, and how does this jumble Chaz McCormick in the mix? There is a balance with Jordan, who especially in cozy Minimade Park, 
is a wholly capable left fielder. He's a plus arm yeah. for a left fielder. Um, certain other ballparks, all right, you don't want him having to patrol all that much ground. So maybe proportionally, he plays a higher percentage of left field at home than on the road. Uh, Jordan likes to play the outfield because he's a healthy, vibrant, not yet 27-year-old baseball player. So why do I want to sit in the dugout the whole game? Well, it worked out pretty well for David Ortiz's career from pretty early on that, hey, big guy, you're going to hit, you're going to hit, you're going to hit some more, break glass in case of emergency if you need a club. Um, Jordan, yes, in 2023 hit better when playing the field as well, but it's not as if he was punch when the left fielder and Judy won the DH. His OPS when DHing last season was 968. That's elite. His OPS when playing left field was eliter, 1,028. So I don't think it's critical that he plays the outfield four or five times per week. Um, but I also think if he has some skills that you can use there, and if he is part of a timeshare with McCormick, the old Chevy Chase uh, line from Saturday Night Live, I was told there would be no math. Well, here's a little, right? We know Kyle Tucker's your everyday right fielder. Is Jake Myers going to earn his keep with the idea that he's going to be the predominant playing time center fielder starting the season? Well, if we take predominant as three quarters of the time, if Jordan plays half the time in left field, Chaz plays half the time in left field, that leaves a quarter of the time for Chaz in center field, meaning both McCormick and Myers would be playing three quarters of the time. Well, I don't want Myers playing as much as Chaz McCormick unless Jake Myers is going to make a leap this season. So you need to move off those numbers a little bit. And it's also a little complicated in that since Myers and Chaz are both right-handed hitters, you know, it's not like they platoon them in in center field. Um, I'm going to go with water finds its level. Number one, let Jordan stay healthy, knees, oblique, back, hands. And if he plays 150 games, fun game. What kind of numbers could he put up over a full and healthy season um, Chaz McCormick, I think, should be a 130 to 140 game player. Jake Myers, maybe 100 to 110, if he can establish himself as a viable major leaguer worthy of that playing time, irrespective of his defense. For me, I'm just kind of curious. It sounds like the move to put Jake Myers out there more often in center field is to get better on defense. But wouldn't you, in theory, be better on defense with Chaz in the left, with, with Jordan DHing? I, I would think that would. That Not would make more reality, sense to me. Right. Yeah. So I'm just kind of curious how they're going to put this together this year and how they're going to balance it out. Are they really that committed to Jake Myers? Or are they just kind of saying that early on and, and, and hoping that he does progress and get better with the bat? I'm, I'm curious to see how that happens. And we also talked about Joe Espada and wanting to use the DH to, to give guys rest. Well, if you're, you know, putting Jose Abreu maybe in the DH or maybe Yiner Diaz to give him some rest or Altuve, then, you know, either Chaz or Jordan is probably not playing or Jake Myers just depends. I really do wonder. It seemed like Dusty Baker did not like the way Chaz was playing center field at the end of last season. Felt like he got run on quite a bit. I wonder if Espada and the other guys feel the same way, if it's just they're not really happy with the way his arm looks. And and that's why they'd like to give Jake Myers some more time out there. But we know how this works. They committed. They said Chaz is going to be an everyday guy. So Joe Spada, I'm just really, really interested to see how he comes out and manages all this and, and what they look like over the first month of the season. And, and Chaz McCormick has the most legendary catch in Astros history, right? Up against the wall in Philadelphia. 
But by all the defensive metrics, Jake Myers is the better outfielder. You know, sometimes the eye test can deceive an outfielder who makes a great running catch. A better outfielder maybe gets a better jump on the ball and gets to it more easily and makes it look like a more routine catch. You mentioned McCormick's throwing arm. No one's ever going to confuse Jake Myers with Ken Griffey Jr. out there. Yep. Jake Myers has displayed kind of a noodle arm, uh, I think. It's just a weakness for both guys for a premium defensive center fielder. If Myers is the better guy by all their internal data at going and getting it, well, that has value. But is it enough of a difference to tilt playing time? I mean, Chaz McCormick basically was a stud last season, right? For the time that he played, he was a lot better than George Springer was at pennies on the dollar uh, for the Astros. Chaz McCormick turns 29 years old uh, in April. So he should be in the thick and prime of his career right now. Uh, I don't want to eat away at that because you're trying to force Jake Myers into playing time. And Chaz is saying all the right things throughout all this, that he's cool with earning his spot, even though Dana Brown has said that he intends to play or they, they intend for Chaz to play every day. But obviously there is question about where that place will be. We could maybe see Chaz in some DH. Speaking of that, if the Astros management didn't like Chaz's defense in 2023, please don't let them watch the tape on Kyle Tucker because he struggled as well. And, you know, as we're talking about guys getting opportunities at the DH, Kyle Tucker played a lot. He, he and Bregman played a ton of games last season. Could we see opportunities for maybe Kyle Tucker to play some DH? I, I, I know he's one of your best defensive outfielders, but if you're mixing in Jake Myers and you're going to have an extra outfielder out there, would it maybe serve to maybe give Kyle Tucker some opportunities at GH to see if maybe that doesn't help out with maybe what we saw from him at the end of the season, which looked like fatigue? I think very little in his case, just because you only have that one DH spot. And obviously Jordan will be in it plenty when Jordan's in the outfield, McCormick will be in it some. Uh, as Josh has talked about, uh, Yiner Diaz is going to be earmarked for some starts there. To me, Altuve turns 34 in May, right beyond the uh, busted hand at the WBC last year. Remember, he missed uh, several weeks with an oblique issue of his own. Uh, I think Altuve should be DHing probably at least once every couple of weeks. And then if you want to spot Bregman, right, he's three years older than Kyle Tucker. So if you're thinking, well, just give the guy a rest here and there from playing in, in, in the field. And uh, one name we haven't addressed uh, yet here. It's a very long season. There's ample time for this. Where will Mauricio Dubon uh, make his most starts? Uh, I don't think Espada is going to value him as highly as Dusty Baker did. Um, obviously, he's the second baseman uh, when Altuve uh, is the DH. Uh, center field starts for him. I mean, if Myers is the primary and McCormick's there when Myers isn't, wouldn't seem to be many uh, uh, starts in, in center for DuPont. So some of these things will sort them out, sort themselves out through performance, uh, through injury. But uh, I think Kyle Tucker's over 150 games in right field. What are the odds the Astros make a move for an outfielder uh, sometime during the season? Well, I think Houston wide does not a lot of uh, buy, buy, buy on, on Jake Myers' stock. And if the prevailing notion is correct, well, either Dubon needs to produce when he presumably, at least on campus, would be the guy who seemingly would get uh, a shot at a little more playing time. Jacob Melton better be coming on like gangbusters in the minor leagues that you're thinking, well, let's promote from within the organization and, and give him a look. 
maybe Pedro Leon goes nuts the first two months and finally can get a, a little bit of a look at the major league level. Uh, or in season, of course, you know, you can always go pursue someone who's going to be available as a, as a fourth outfielder type. Um, but uh, Myers, you know, how long will the leash be on him? Uh, you know, the axiom is, well, the guy needs 150 plate appearances before you start judging where he is for that season. Well, if come May 15th, Jake Myers is hitting 204 with an on-base percentage below 300, given his track record, you know, reaching for that ripcord sooner than later is what most people will want. But how will the Astros view that? What's the patience on that? Remembering that Jake Myers plays for Major League Peanuts. And I think the schedule could have something to do with it because they play almost every day to start out the season. It, it's a lot of games. So guys are going to need a little bit of you know, time off with, with baseball games happening every day. It's early in the year. They don't want to push anything. You don't want those soft tissue injuries popping up. And, and you do have plenty of guys to mix in here with Jake Myers. But yeah, you might be right. We could get through the first you know month and they've played almost 30 games. You're going to have a pretty good sample size on – on what Jake Myers looks like at that point. And you brought up Pedro Leon. Dana Brown said they're going to give him a really good look this spring. He still really hasn't put it together in the minors, so it's it's hard to imagine he's he's going to make the big league club and, and make some noise if he hasn't done it in the past. But they're going to give it a shot because they don't have a lot of other options. And, of course, you know they did make that trade for Trey Cabbage a few weeks ago. He can, he can play some outfield. He can play some first base. So – you know, at least he's a left-handed bat. Maybe he's somebody we see. They, they they made that move for him for a reason. He has a lot of power. So we'll see how it goes. But he's really going to have to stand out. They have a whole bunch of outfielders that they're trying to give playing time to. to so to see one of these guys wrestle that role away, that, that would kind of surprise me. Just five weeks from Thursday until we get to see them play in a game that counts. Life is good. It's going to be another episode of Stone Cold Strohs in the books. This was fun and it went by really quick. Uh, hopefully it did for all the listeners as well. If you enjoyed the show, please be sure to give us a five-star rating wherever you get your audio podcast or give us a like on this video if you're watching on YouTube. Charlie, Josh, and I will be back next week, but you don't have to wait that long to get your Houston Sports Fix. All you have to do is subscribe to Sports Map Houston on YouTube and we'll have some bonus content during the week for you. So until next time, Go Strohs! And that's the bottom line, because Stone Cold said so.